This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 62 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello first met in the early 1930s and began working together in 1935 at a burlesque theater in New York City. Their first performance was due to Costello's regular partner being ill and Abbott standing in for him. They decided to make it permanent and honed their act to have Abbott as the straight man and Costello as the dim-witted one. They graduated from the stage to radio in the late 1920s and appeared throughout the 30s on many programs until getting their own show in 1940 as a summer replacement for Fred Allen. They also starred in multiple films together during this period, and for a while were considered the most popular comedy team in show business. After the radio show ended in 1949, they continued making films together until their last one in 1956. They also did a few television appearances, and their own show from 1952 to 1954. Jimmy Clitheroe started out in England playing the accordion, xylophone, and saxophone in variety theaters in the 1930s, before moving into films in 1940 and radio in 1954 with his own show, The Clitheroe Kid, which ran on the BBC from 1956 to 1972. The show was also produced for television in two versions, as That's My Boy in 1963 and Just Jimmy from 1964 to 1968. While being famous as an entertainer, Clitheroe also owned a bookmaker's shop in Blackpool, England, and a hotel in Presall. He was a short man and was only able to drive with wooden blocks attached to the pedals of his car. He also lived with his mother from 1960 until her death in 1973. He died five days later. Now sit back and enjoy the December 16th, 1943 broadcast of the Abbott and Costello show and the June 28th, 1970 broadcast of the Clitheroe Kid. Orchestra, the songs of Connie Hayes. Tonight's special guest, star of the 20th Century Fox picture, Tampico, Miss Lynn Barry, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Hey, Abbott! Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy! <laughs> Hey, Abbott, come on, come on. Help me get dressed, please. I've got to get to the broadcast right away. Well, take it easy. There's lots of time. What's the excitement? Excitement? Tonight we're having Lynn Barry as our guest star, and I'm going to make love to her. Boy, oh, boy! All right. Gee, if I'm late, she might walk out of me. So what? Let her walk out. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah, but who wants to park in the dark with a shark? Oh. <laughs> please. Never mind. Come on. Get your clothes on and let's go. Okay, now, kid. Hey, listen, Abbott. I- I'm waiting for my new suit. Boy, it's going to be beautiful. It is? The most gorgeous suit you ever saw. Is that right? Yeah, the coat is red with green stripes. 
It's got pink lapels and orange buttons. Wait a minute. A red coat with green stripes, pink lapels, and orange buttons? Yeah. I suppose you're going to wear yellow pants? What? And have people stare at me? (laughs) What do you think I am? I'm a dope. Uh, Yellow pants. Yeah. They clash with my purple shoes. The purple shoes? (laughs) Surely, I never heard of such a thing. Yellow pants. All right, all right. Drop the pants. I can't. Why not? My red underwear won't match my lavender vest. They are. Now, don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't let you meet Lynn Barry in clothes like that. You'd better wear one of my suits. Here, I'll lend you my uh, dress suit. That old thing, it's full of moth holes. Oh, there isn't a single moth in that suit. You said it. They're all married and got children. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Just a minute. We don't have any moths in our clothes closet. No moths, eh? No. Just open that closet door and see. Okay, I will. No more, see? All right, so there's one. One? That was the mother. Here comes the children. <laughs> that last one was just hatched. Look out. That's a brand new baby look, moth. Well, all right, forget about the moths. Here, look. I'll lend you one of my other suits. Now, let's see. There's the uh, worsted, a plaid, a tweed, and that dark one is a twill. A twill? Certainly. Didn't you ever have a twill? Oh, sure. I get a big twill when I ride on the wall of Ah, no. no. <laughs> Don't be silly. Wait a minute. twilly. Here's just the suit for you. It belongs to my father. It's his dinner suit. Uh, there's a little breakfast on it, too. No, 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 you dummy. <laughs> this is his soup and fish. It looks like egg to me. Listen, Costa. <laughs> when you lived at home, didn't your family dress for dinner? Why, certainly we dressed. Oh. What do you think we did? Come to the table in our underwear? Look, what's the matter with you? Didn't you ever wear dinner clothes? Yeah, I always wear pajamas. Pajamas are not dinner clothes. They are if you eat in bed. Oh, <laughs> that isn't what I mean. You see, as long as I can remember, the men in our family have always worn their tails to dinner. That's a very pretty picture. Yes, it is. <laughs> where I come from, a man with tails is called a gentleman. And where I come from, we call a monkey. Oh, <laughs> That's uh, what they call them. Come in. Oh, it's Ken Niles. Ken Say, Niles. Ken. Costello needs a suit in a hurry. Can he borrow yours? Oh, uh, well, uh, I'll have to go outside and ask a little woman. A little woman? Her neck alone is three feet long. <laughs> I heard that remark, Costello. I'll have you know my neck is not long. Oh, no? Last time I saw a neck like that, a jockey was bending over it. Am <laughs> <laughs> I insulting you? dare you compare me to a horse? Why, I have an aristocratic face. My grandfather was a count. You're right, Count Fleet. <laughs> Kenneth, are you going to stand there and let Costello compare me to a horse? Nay, nay. Um, that was a very snappy part. Costello, with your appearance, you're a fine one to talk about Mrs. Niles. Certainly. Just look at yourself, fat boy. I'm not fat. Oh, no? I saw you fall down yesterday and you rocked yourself to sleep trying to get up. <laughs> Now, look, let's stop this fighting. Uh, look, Mrs. Niles, Costello has to borrow a suit for the broadcast tonight. Uh, yes, dear. Uh, may I lend him mine? Kenneth Niles, before I let you do that, I'd lock you up in the attic. But, gee, dear, you, you just let me out. <laughs> uh, come in. Hello, boy. Oh, it's my friend Meyer, the butcher. What's going on, Meyer? Oh, boy, boy, am I excited. What is happening to me today shouldn't happen to two dogs. One dog couldn't handle it. 
Well, what's the matter? Oh, it's my wife, Sophie. After ten years, it's going to happen. Today is the day, and I got to be by her side. So you got to come over right away, Louie, and take care of my butcher shop, huh? Now, wait a minute, Meyer. I can't do that. We're going to broadcast. I'm going to do a love scene with, Ly- with Lynn Barry. But, Louie, would you rather do a love scene with Lynn Barry than mine, mine butcher shop? Can a duck swim? That's a silly answer. You ask silly questions, you get silly answers. Costello, come on. We have to get to the studio. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Think of my wife. Louie, you'll never do anything for me. Meyer, you shouldn't say that. Now, I do. Now, five years ago, I gave you the money to open up the butcher shop. And when you were sick, I paid for the operation. Then when the government was going to put you in jail, I paid your income tax. And six months ago, when your house was on fire, I ran into the burning building and saved your life. And you say I never do anything for you. Yeah, but what have you done for me lately? Freddie Rich plays a Cole Porter favorite, I've Got You Under My Skin. Costello, you had to open your big mouth just because you want to help Meyer. We're stuck here in a butcher shop. Now, come on. We might as well get the orders out. Uh, you dress the chickens. Me dress the chickens? Why should I? They're old enough to dress themselves. Oh, I'll dress the chickens. You bring me the other fowl. What fowl? That uh, duck. Why should I duck? I'm not ashamed to help Meyer. No, I mean duck. Duck in the icebox. Why should I duck in the icebox? You duck in the icebox, oh, you bitch sissy. Now, here, take it easy. I'm glad to help my friend Meyer. And this wonderful little woman. All right. I know what they're going through. Why, only last week a little stranger came to live at our house. Really? Yes, my sister married a midget. Oh, come on. (laughs) Costello, you're impossible. 
Hello, Myers Butcher Shop. Hello, this is Meyer on the wire. Oh, Meyer, how's the wife? Anything happened yet? No, Louie, it's a very slow process. How's things by the shop? Oh, listen, Meyer, Mrs. Jones sent back the Christmas turkey you sold her. She says it only has one leg. What does she want to do, eat it or dance with it? Oh. Well, did Meyer say when he's coming back? Do you realize that Lynn Barry's probably at the studio now waiting for us? Now, Abbott, this is more important. Let her wait. I got plenty of women waiting for me. 50, 60, 70. 50, 60, 70? Yes, and I wish I could find some a little younger. Oh, come on. <laughs> now, Abbott, women and beautiful women always chase me. They, I don't know why. You think I... <laughs> I don't know. At any minute, a gorgeous girl is apt to walk in that door. Oh, there you are, Costello. Oh. oh. So you want to borrow my Kenneth suit, eh? So you were going to make love to Lynn Berry, eh? And now I find you in a butcher shop, eh? You're going to run out of eight coupons. <laughs> Costello, for your information, Mrs. Niles is one of Meyer's best customers. Yeah, Now yeah. take her order. Huh? Yeah. I said take her order. Take her I order where? Just... Did you come in with an order? Never mind that. Take what do you want me to take it? Just take it. Somebody is lost. I, uh... I... <laughs> Costello. Yes, dear. I want 20 cents worth of dog meat. Shall I wrap it up or do you want to eat it here? <laughs> no, wrap. Ra- oh! Oh, that's the last straw. Now, you see? Now, look what you've done. Oh, I've never been so insulted in all my life. After all these years of trading with my eyes, I have to come in here and be humiliated. Costello, Costello, don't stand there. Apologize. Okay. Come on. Mrs. Niles, if I said anything to offend you, I'm glad of it. (laughs) Costello, I said apologize. Okay. Mrs. Niles, I'm sorry I suggested that you eat the dog meat here. (laughs) Is that better? That's much better. Wait until you get home. (laughs) Costello. Oh, that's all. Cancel my order. Well, you lost Mrs. Niles' order, Costello. You'll have to change your slip. I can't, Abbott. What do you mean you can't change your slip? I'm not wearing any. Oh. Oh, pardon me. Where do I find Lou Costello? That ain't me. That's me. (laughs) Pardon me. Where do I find Lou Costello? Here I am, over by the pickle barrel. Well, raise your hand so I'll know which one is you. (laughs) Hey, Abbott, who is this fresh dame? Costello. Don't you recognize her? Lynn Barry. Gee, Miss Barry, how did you ever know, and how did you ever find me in this butcher shop? Where else would I look for a fat meatball? (laughs) See here, Costello, I'm supposed to do a play on your program tonight. Where do you expect to put it on, in this butcher shop? And why not? Lots of plays were done about butcher shops. Did you ever hear of Hamlet, the Merchant of Venison? (laughs) You ever hear of Abe's Irish Roast? Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah? Ridiculous, huh? How about the story about a hog? Pygmalion. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy, huh? They even wrote a great picture about cows. What picture? Guadalcanal Dairy. <laughs> Boy, did I milk that one. Come to think of it, how about your last picture? Hit the eyes. There was no meat in that one. I don't know. I saw two hams in it. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Lynn. Don't pay any attention to Costello. He isn't very B-R-I-G-H-T. Yes, he does appear to be rather S-T-U-P-I-D. I heard that. What do you think I am, a D-O-P-P? 
Mr. Abbott, what about this play? Well, Lynn, it's an original play, and Costello will be your leading man. Costello? He could never play that part. Why not? My leading man must be able to brush me into his arms, sweep me off his, uh, off my feet, and carry me away. You don't want a leading man. You want a street cleaner. <laughs> Costello, that's no way to talk to our guest. Can't oh. you be nice? Yes. Miss Barry, if you'll do this play with me in the butcher shop, I'll take you out after the broadcast. We'll go for a drive. But, Lou, there's no more pleasure driving. Yeah, but there's still pleasure parking. Ah. <laughs> Who wants to park at a coop with a droop? Your technique is all wrong, Costello. Is if that you want so? to take out a beautiful girl like Lynn Barry, the first thing to do is hire a limousine and chauffeur. A Rolls Royce, of course. Then you buy me flowers. Orchids, naturally. Then cocktails at the Windsor House. Dinner at Romanov's. With caviar. And champagne. Then tickets for the theater. First row. After that, you make the rounds of the nightclub. Winding up at the Trocadero. Uh, then you get into your limousine again and drive down Wilshire Boulevard. Stop the car! Stop the car! What for? I want to stop at the finance company and make a loan. Ah. Johnny Haynes sings the lovely ballad, My Ideal. What's it all about? Oh, it's a great story, Abbott. It's about Buffalo Bill and the Wild West. Can you play a Western gal, Miss Barry? Can I play a Western gal? Why, where I come from, they all call me Tex. Where you all come from, Tex? Oklahoma. <laughs> Just a second, Costello. Since when are you a Western character? Are you kidding, partner? What used to call me Six-Gun Costello. But I had to change it to Two-Gun. Why? Because with six guns, every time I took a step, my pants fell down. Yuck, 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 yuck. 
that's another character for you. Well, Six-Gun, I'll agree to play the part. Sounds fun, squaw to me. What's that? I said it sounds fun, squaw. Oh, fun, squaw. I used to hunt bar down there every year. <laughs> yeah. All right, look, I don't believe... I don't believe all this, Custer. Oh, yeah! Ah, uh, no, 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 no. You don't know anything about the West. Oh, no. I was raised on a dud ranch. You mean a dude ranch? I said dud. No women. <laughs> Must have been near No Gals, Arizona. Har, har. Har and squad. Uh, Lou, this is ridiculous. Must be a couple of Southern no, cowboys. Go ahead, Ken. Set the scene. Go ahead. Oh. And now... Somebody better set the scene. And now, our play of the evening, a saga of the adventurous West, The Life of Buffalo Bill, brought to you direct from Meyer's Butcher Shop and starring the Abbott and Costello Pickled Pigs Feet Players. (laughs) And as an extra special attraction, Meyer has goose liver at 10 cents a pound. As the scene opens, Buffalo Bill Costello and Buckskin Abbott are on the trail. Suddenly, a shot rings out. on the wire. Hello there, Meyer. This is Buffalo. What have I got in my store? A talking buffalo? <laughs> no, no, Meyer. This is Buffalo. I'm, I'm talking from Indian Heights. Please give him my butcher shop in Boyle Heights. <laughs> now, Meyer, will you stop bothering me? I gotta go out and kill some Indian. What's the matter? We're running out of meat. <laughs> oh, never mind that. What's new with Sophie? Hey, it's still a very slow process. Look, I can't talk to you now, Meyer. Call me back. This is the craziest play I ever heard. When do I come in? In just a second, Lynn. Costello and I are still on the trail approaching the camp of your father. Uh, read your line, Costello. Oh, yeah. Buckskin, bud. It's getting dark, and we're going to run into a heap of trouble. Yes, Buffalo. If we don't reach the stockade by sundown, the Indians will massacre us in the dark. They'll scalp us alive. Well, what are you going to do? we got to get word through to Gene Autry. Uh, Gene Autry? <laughs> shh, shh. Buffalo, look. Here comes an Indian chief. He's going to speak to us. How? Hula, gala, pala, mula. How? Mila, pula, ganda, munda, malabala. Costello! I didn't know you spoke Indian. I don't. Something went wrong with my typewriter. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Me welcome you. Me, Chief Flatfoot. Who gave you that name? Great White Father? No, Great White Draft Boy. Uh, <laughs> Chief Flatfoot, I come to marry your daughter, Moon Eyes. The one over there. Moon Eyes could not come. I am her sister, Cross Eyes. <laughs> Me glad to meet you. Greetings, White Fish. Not fish, face. <laughs> Greetings, Fish Face. <laughs> I don't think she... I don't think she likes you, uh, Buffalo. Now, let me handle this. Look here, Cross Eyes. I want to marry you. Now, what do you say, gal? No marry you. Me marry the bicarbonate kid. The bicarbonate, bicarbonate kid. kid? Yes. Wild Bill Hiccup. <laughs> I used to know him as Hopalong Acidity. <laughs> then everything is settled. White man, you go. What's that? I've been an Indian scout for nigh on to 20 years. And you're the most despicable, obnoxious, incorrigible renegade that I've ever encountered. Them's hard words, Buffalo. Hard words? You're right. But I said them. <laughs> Buffalo Bill, you be careful what you say to my father. 
He's strong. In I case. smell him. Yes. No. <laughs> He's strong. Me not wear shoes. Me not wear clothes. Me sleep in wind, rain, and snow. No roof. Me eat raw corn, raw meat, raw fish. You do all that? Yes, and I'm sick and tired of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, boy, what a play. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> well, Indian girl, I want you to marry me. It's no use. You cannot marry me unless you get my mother's consent. I've taken care of that, cross-eyes. I married your mother, so now I'm your father. So listen, daughter, you have my consent to marry me as soon as I can get a divorce from your old lady, your mother. Now, wait a minute, Buffalo. The Indians are going to attack us. Me afraid, Buffalo. Don't worry, cross-eyes. Get behind me. If you hear a shot, get in front of me. Look out. Here they come. Run for your lives. <laughs> Costello, Abbott, Miss Barry, I want to thank you sincerely for watching my butcher shop while my wife Sophie is having a crisis. Gee, Meyer, well, tell me, what happened? Such a day. Girls with white uniforms are rushing in and out. I'm walking up and down. I'm biting my nails. I couldn't eat nothing. But everything turned out wonderful. Sophie is resting up. We am so excited. Gosh, what a lucky fellow. Congratulations, Meyer. Yeah, what was it, a boy or a girl? The most beautiful permanent wave you ever saw. Abbott and Costello will be back in just a moment. Thanks to the Yanks of the Week. Tonight we salute Liberty Ship Captain Henry A. Fritz of Detroit, Michigan, whose freighter was docked between two Allied vessels at a North African port. During an air raid, both the adjoining vessels began to burn and explode, tearing huge holes in the American ship's hull. Captain Fritz ordered his men to abandon ship, but went himself to the bow, and though seared by flames, chopped the bow lines and enabled the ship to be moved to safety. and Costello with a final word. Thanks, Ken. Well, Lynn Barry, thanks for being our guest tonight. Just a minute, bud. Look, Costello, I want to know how that play ended before Meyer came in. Oh, it was a terrific finish. I'm standing on a hill, all alone. 10,000 blood-curdling Indians are coming at me. How many? 1,000 screaming redskins. How many? 50 ferocious savages. How many? So I killed the old squaw. Fire and squaw! Let me out of here. Let us all out of here! Good night, folks. Good night, night, neighbors. Good night to everybody in Patterson, New Jersey.
Kumari. Tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show with our guest, Edward Arnold, from Hollywood. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here is Jimmy Clitheroe as the Clitheroe Kid With Peter St. Clair, Patricia Burke, Danny Ross and Diana Day in A Funny Thing Happened at the Fair Jimmy, you want it on the phone, it's your pal Ozzie He's no pal of mine. He got me the cane yesterday. Huh? He knocked his desk over in art class. Well, why did you get the cane? I put the drawing pin on his seat. <laughs> he was funny. He jumped up, knocked his paint box on the floor, fell down and landed right on his Prussian blue. <laughs> Charlie Thompson looked at the paint on his pants and said, Hey, you're supposed to paint with your brush, not with your bottom. <laughs> Funny. Look, Ozzy's waiting for you. Go and speak to him. Right, Mum. I'll speak to him all right. Getting me in bother with the teacher. Hello? Is that you, blabbermouth? So you squealed to tick-tock Tilly, did you? <laughs> you needn't have told it was my drawing pin you sat on. You could have said you got cramp. <laughs> you what? You can get cramp anywhere. <laughs> Why did you ring me? You what? No, I don't want to go to the fairground with you and your dad. Our Susan's taking me. I hope I do see you there. I'll throw a wooden ball at your head. <laughs> Why not? You've got your hair cut like a coconut. <laughs> yes, you're half skinhead and half a hell's angel. <laughs> you what? All right, then, we'll be friends. If you pay for two rides on the Dodgems, three shots at the crazy kitchen, and a trip down the tunnel of love. <laughs> no, you're daft, Lukin. So we can get in the boat behind our Susan and Alfie Hall. <laughs> and as soon as they start getting sloppy, we'll paddle like mad and ram them. <laughs> of course Alfie's coming with us. He's here with her now. They're in the garden. I can see him through the window. Hey, they're going in the greenhouse. I must see this, Ozzy. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Are you still there, Ozzy? I've got my granddad's telescope. Stand by and I'll give you a running commentary. Well, there they are in the corner of the greenhouse. 
Alfie starts his run up moosing, gathers speed and brings over his right arm and now his left arm grabs our Susan and, and bowls a maiden over. <laughs> hey, they won't half cop it. Alfie's just grabbed one of me grandad's tomatoes. <laughs> of course he'll miss it. He's only got three reddens. <laughs> as soon as he got another one, we were going to have salad for tea. Jimmy, finish that phone call and come here. Right, Mum. I'll see you later, Ozzy. My mum's shouting for me. Ta-ra. Right, Mum. What is it you want? Would you go and call Susan, please? Certainly. What shall I call her? Fish face? <laughs> Call her in for tea. She's in the garden with Alfie. Oh, here she comes. Uh, is Alfie stopping for his tea, Susan? Uh, no, he's got to pop back home. He's coming back for me and our Jimmy at a quarter to six, aren't you, Alfie? And for what, Susan? Coming back. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm, I'm just going. Yeah. Man, I am coming back later after I've been, only I've got to go there out. <laughs> me, 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 mum and dad, but, but a man's coming at tea time to fix me mum's old geezer. But, but not me dad, but we're getting a new dad. And I, I have to let him in. Not, not Dad, the new boy, I mean. He's from the gas board. Not, not me, Dad, the man. Now, now you know why I'm going. Yes, and we know where you're going as well. Right round the bend. Oh, ignore him, Alfie. When we get to the fairground, we'll leave him where he belongs, playing silly games in the funhouse. Well, it's better than playing sloppy games in the greenhouse. <laughs> oh, I saw you, scraggy neck. Taking Alfie in the greenhouse to feed him up. Oh, did you? So you've been spying on us again? I wasn't spying. I was on the phone to my pal Ozzy and he said, Is it raining? And I looked out and there you were. Snogging. <laughs> That'll do. Just apologise to Susan for spying on her. I've told you, Mum, it was an accident. Who left my telescope on the telephone table? I'm sorry for spying on you, Susan. Sorry? With a telescope? <laughs> well, that settles it. You're not going with us to the fairground tonight. You what? We were only going to the fair to please you, so now Alfie can take me to the dance. Well, Susan, it was only a joke. Yeah, Susan, don't be too hard on Jimmy. We are going to the dance. Jimmy's not old enough to go to a dance. Oh, <laughs> no, you mean you, you and me go to the dance, not, not me and him. You, you, you and him. Me, but and him. You. <laughs> I'll start again. Don't bother. <laughs> Look, what is all this, Susan? No, no, don't you interfere, Father. Susan's quite right not to take him. Jimmy, what have you been doing? Well, I got your telescope to do a bit of bird watching, and I saw Alfie eat one of your tomatoes. Yeah, go on. Yeah, one of your tomatoes. He ate it. A redden. I know. I told Susan to give him one. Well, go on. Let's hear the story. Um, once upon a time, there were three bears. <laughs> All right. It's your own fault that you're not going to the fair. Not going? Me granddad will take me, won't you? I can't. I'm going to the hospital with your mother to see your Auntie Ethel. Oh, heck, I'm fed up. Can't you go with anyone else, Jimmy? Who else would be daft at... Oh, of course. My pal Ozzy wanted to take me with his dad. I'll go round and see Mr Higginbottom. I'll answer the door on my way out. I'll tell you, everybody. Chitra Cheerio, Mr Sinclair. Oh, hello, 
mistaken, Watson. Hello, you fool. Get out of my way. <laughs> Come in here, Mr. Higginbottom. Oh, uh, uh, Higgy. Jimmy was just coming round to see you. Was he? And I've just come round to see him. Yes, I was going to ask you if you'd take me to the fairground tonight with Ozzy. You destructive little whelp. Have a good mind to belt your lug hole. Uh, I'll just go and get my handbag. Yes, and belt him back with it. Higgy. Now, look, Higgy, not so much of the whelp. Yes, Mr. Higginbottom. Just be careful what you say. Oh, I'm sorry, missus, but... You can't blame me for losing my temper. I mean, I get home five minutes ago and I find Ozzy's plastic Mac hanging in the hall, torn to ribbons. Well, that wasn't my fault. Blame Ozzy. He shouldn't have such a big head. <laughs> You'll have a big nose if you come near my fist. Now, all right, all right. Jimmy, explain what you mean. Well, Ozzy wanted to play blind man's buff on roller skates. What? He must have been mad. That's what I told him. I said, it's too dangerous. Let's have a quiet game of bullfight. <laughs> bullfight? What happened? Well, I was the Toreador and Charlie Thompson was the bull. And what was Ozzy? He was your grandson's horse. <laughs> Useless. Every time I jumped in the saddle, he collapsed. So will you, if you don't get to the point. Now, how did you rip the Mac? Give him a chance. Now, go on, Jimmy. You said it was something to do with Ozzy's big head. Now, look here. Well, uh, we swapped round after a bit, and when Ozzy was the bull, he overdid it. He started pawing the ground and snorting. I waved his Mac at him. He charged like mad and got his head stuck up the sleeve. He really ripped the mic to get him out. He'd have, he'd have suffocated. Oh, never mind all this rubbish. You ripped Ozzy's mac and it cost me 15 bob. Well, you will go to these high-class shops. <laughs> Jimmy, shut up. Look, Miss Higginbottom, it sounds to me as if both Jimmy and Ozzy were to blame. Aye, Higgy, I agree. So we'll pay for half the damage. Here's seven and sixpence. All right. But listen, Clitheroe. Uh, yes, Mr. Higginbottom, Esquire? The next time you come round to my place, I'll teach you to play pitch and toss. I'll pitch you out of the door and toss you over the fence. <laughs> all right, Higgy, all right. You've got the money. Come on, I'll show you to the door. Just a minute. Mr. Higginbottom hasn't answered my question. What question? Are you going to take me to the fair tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Well, James, I'm sorry I missed your mother and granddad. They've gone to see a sick relative, you say? Yeah, that's right, Mr. Brocklebank. They wanted to take me to the fairground, but I made them go and see me auntie in hospital. <laughs> oh, that was nice of you. Yes, I know. Oh, Susan wanted to take me, but I said Alfie'd sooner go dancing with her, and their pleasure came first. Oh. <laughs> yes, a noble sentiment. Yeah, then Mr. Higginbottom was on about taking me, but I said, no, I'd rather go with my special friend, Mr. Brocklebank. That's you. Uh, I beg your pardon, I don't quite follow. Mr. Brocklebank, I want to treat you to the fair. Well, that's very kind of you. But I've got no money, so I'll let you treat me. <laughs> James, will you please stop asking me to stand up and ride bareback on my hobby horse? Well, I thought there might be a talent scout in the crowd from Smart Circus. Ha, ha. Look, the way this hobby horse is going up and down, I, I daren't let go of this pole. 
Get away. Don't be chicken. If the Queen can ride side saddles, surely you can. <laughs> Smashing wanted. I'll bet you're glad you came on the moon rocket after all, Mr. Brocklebank. <laughs> Mr. Brocklebank? Mr. Brocklebank? Oh, hey, he's painted. <laughs> James, isn't that Mr. Higginbottom and Oswald standing outside the Noah's Ark? No, it's two of the animals who've escaped. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Hello there, uh, Mr. Higginbottom. Shut up, I don't want him to see us. Why not? Because if he does, he'll tell me mum and you'll get into trouble. What for? For bringing me to the fairground where my mum said I hadn't to go. What? James, you didn't tell me she'd forbidden you to come here. Of course not. If I had, you wouldn't have brought me. <laughs> come on, it's half past seven and we've got to get back before eight o'clock so they'll never know I've been out. Oh, very well, James, but you've been very dishonest and I warn you, when one practices deceit, one is always in danger of being found out. Not if one keeps one's big mouth shut. <laughs> You've been here since a quarter past six, Humphrey. Uh, well, well uh, yes. Uh, no, I mean, that was the time I arrived. <laughs> so you weren't on your own then, Jimmy? Oh, no, Mr. Brocklebank took me. Oh, uh, well, was with me. Oh, well, I'm sorry I was out, Humphrey. He had rather a long wait. Oh, it didn't seem long to us we had a smashing time. Except when Mr. Brocklebank fainted on the... on the... Uh, on the settee. <laughs> fainted? Well, he didn't actually faint, uh, did you? Yeah, no, no, I, I just uh, came over a little dizzy. Yeah, I, I mean weak, uh, with the heat. But we haven't had the violet. Yeah, no, but, but I, I... He's I, still I... wearing his winter underwear. <laughs> Jimmy didn't get you playing any silly games, did he, Humphrey? Oh, no, we didn't play anything. Uh, were you watching television, then? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I was going to watch Branded, but Mr. Brocklebank doesn't like cowboys. It's the way the horses go up and down. <laughs> it makes him feel sick. Um, Mrs. Clitheroe, could we get started on the Women's Guild accounts, please? Oh, yes, Humphrey. I'll get them from the front room. Oh, dear. Excuse me while I see who's at the front door. It was raining when we got to the hospital. Doesn't seem to have rained here very much. Oh, no, no. The weather was fine at the fair. The, the weather was uh, fair and fine in the fun house. The, the, the house, I mean. He means that was the forecast, fair and yeah. fine, on the telly, uh, that we didn't watch. Yes. Well, uh, come in and wait, Sergeant. He shouldn't be long. Oh, thank you very much, madam. Mr. Higginbottom is coming here, isn't he, Father? Oh, I we're going down to the Rosen Clown for a pint or two. Or three, or four. You be quiet. Uh, well, the sergeant here wants to have a word with Mr. Higginbottom. Is it for keeping Aussie without a license? <laughs> oh, James! <laughs> Shut up and behave yourself. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Sinclair. Not you, Humphrey. He's talking to Jimmy. Uh, would you like to um, sit down, Sergeant? Uh, uh... Sergeant Dixon. Ah. Thanks. 
Dixon. He, not... Don't say it, son. I get it all day long. You get what all day long, Sergeant? Well, you know, you look different on the telly. Evening all. <laughs> Is Jack Warner your dad? No, 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 my name's Brockleback. <laughs> oh, I see. Is your dad, they say... <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> What are you on about, Humphrey? The sergeant's got a funny dad. <laughs> Shut up, Jimmy. Don't answer the door. Right, ma'am. Uh, it'll be Mr. Higginbottom. Tell him the sergeant wants to see him. All right. Fancy wanting to see Mr. Higginbottom. He must like horror pictures. <laughs> oh, it's you. Uh, hello, Mr. Horror, Monster, Higginbottom. Come in. Well, what are you up to now? Me? What are you up to? The police are looking for you. Have you committed a murder? Not yet, so don't start your cheek. <laughs> the police? A load of idiots, especially that sergeant at the police station. Dixon of Doc Green. Ah, he's dead from the neck up. <laughs> Who's dead from the neck up? Sergeant Dixon. You said Sergeant Dixon is dead from the neck up. Yes, he is. What are we shouting for? Yes, it's silly. There's no need to shout. Come in and tell him. Yes, I will, eh? <laughs> tell who? Sergeant Dixon. Sergeant, Mr Higginbottom here says he thinks you're dead from the neck... Shut up, you little troublemaker. <laughs> Hello, Mr Higginbottom. I called at your home, but your wife said you were on your way here. I just wanted another word about the identity parade. What? Are you putting Higgy on an identity parade? I've been on one. That's the trouble. I went to the fair with Ozzy, put him on the bus home, and I was just walking down the street to collect my watch. In the pawn shop? Shut up. <laughs> went out of the police station, steps a big flat-footed uh, a copper, and he said... Uh, if you want to know the time, ask me. Jimmy, will you keep quiet? Go on, Mr. Higginbottom. What did the constable want? He wanted me to go on an identity parade. Because they'd caught some crook who'd knocked an old man down and pinched his wallet. No, he didn't say he was a crook, sir. We had a suspect. Oh, yes. You see, James, they wanted Mr. Higginbottom and certain other men to line up with the suspect to see if the victim could identify him. I know, I know. I've seen James Cagney on the telly as well as you. you know. <laughs> What do you mean? Your guy has lost his doll. Cassie's peepers along the line to see if he can finger the hoodlum who did the mugging. Uh, uh, yes, that's what I meant. You two keep quiet. Look, did you go on the identity parade, Higgy? Yeah. And the old fool picked me out as the one who robbed him. <laughs> So the sergeant's come here to arrest you. Hey, I'll go and ring Ozzy and tell him. I'll ring your neck. <laughs> now, if you'll just keep quiet for a moment, Sonny. Look, Mr Higginbottom, we've had another go at the old man, but he still insists it was you. So the inspector insists that I have another word with you. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you had nothing to do with it, but just to clear it up, is there anybody who could prove you were at the fairground, as you say, when the robbery took place? Well, there was Ozzy, my lad. I mean, he'll tell you. Well, <laughs> we couldn't really take your son's word, could we? 
Oh, you've heard about Ozzy, have you? <laughs> he comes out with some whoppers, you know. Jimmy, you're asking to be smacked. And I'm the one who'll do the smacking, so keep quiet. At, at what time did this robbery occur? At about 7pm behind the town hall. And at seven o'clock, I was on the fairground two miles away. That's true. Mr Higginbottom was definitely on the fairground at seven o'clock tonight. How do you know? Because so I Mr. was... Mr Brockleby! Oh, yes. <laughs> well, well, I was um, here when Mr Higginbottom said so. So were we, you stupid ninny. Father! I was here as well, sir, but I want to hear somebody else say Mr Higginbottom was at the fairground. All right. I'll say it. Mr. Higginbottom was at the fairground. Oh, ma'am! You've been asking for that. Now, look, Mr. Higginbottom, you'd better have a think about this. See if you can remember seeing anybody at the fairground who could uh, corroborate your statement and come and see us again. Well, I'll be off. Evening, all. Oh, dear, I've done it again. What about Brocklebank? Stop mumbling. I'm trying to tell you while Mrs. Clitheroe and Mr. Sinclair are out of the room. Yes, we don't want them to know. Don't want them to know what? Oh, shh. That you are innocent. Yeah, but we don't want me mum and me granddad to know. You don't want them to know I'm innocent? <laughs> Will you stop shushing? I'm wet through. <laughs> Look. How do you know I'm innocent? Because James and I were at the fairground and we saw you there. You well, why didn't you tell the sergeant you were at the fairground? <laughs> if you two spray me once more, I'll tie your tongues together. No, I wasn't supposed to be there, so keep quiet. Never mind, keep quiet. You're going to tell the sergeant the truth. But of course we are. We'll go down to the police station with you, but there's no need to get James in trouble with his mother. Oh, no, we mustn't get James into trouble. <laughs> he's going to tell the sergeant he saw me or he'll be in real trouble. If you let my mum know I was at the fairground, I will tell the sergeant I saw you behind the town hall robbing the old man. <laughs> Mr. Brocklebank and me left the fairground, Sergeant. Half past seven. Well, if you told me this at your house, Sonny, and you, Mr. Brocklebank, Mr. Riggenbottom here wouldn't have had to bring you to the police station. Ah, well, we couldn't tell you at home. I didn't want to get into trouble, because Mr. Brocklebank and me hadn't decided which story we were using. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, have a care, James. Just a moment, gentlemen. Sonny, I suppose Mr. Brocklebank and Mr. Higginbottom talked to you before you came down here. Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Higginbottom told me you didn't believe him, so we had to come down to the police station and say we were both at the fair. He told you to say that? Yes. Uh, James, you're not explaining it properly. Well, I'm doing my best. I've told him everything you two said. <laughs> I didn't tell you to say anything. Oh, yes, you did. When we were outside our house, you said, the sergeant won't take any notice of me. Maybe the daft old fool will believe you. <laughs> sergeant! Now, look, look, gentlemen, I'm sorry, but I can't accept this evidence as it stands. I'll have to make further inquiries. I should go home and do some more thinking, Mr Higginbottom. 
Well, I'll have to leave you now. I've got some other business to attend to. So just think about it, gentlemen. And in the meantime, I shouldn't leave town. Either of you. <laughs> What's the matter with him? What's the matter? He still thinks I did the robbery. But how could you? He said it was at seven o'clock. And we were on the fairground with you. We know that. I remember. We saw you outside the Noah's Ark. Wait a minute. That was at half past seven. Well? You could have robbed that old man, you know. <laughs> you could have run two miles in half an hour. Do, do, do you think it's wise coming round to the old man's house like this? Look... There's only one way to settle this. This old fool was mistaken, and I'm going to make him admit it. Mr. Higginbottom, you're not going to beat him up again, are you? <laughs> I'll beat you up in a minute. Now, not a word when this fella comes to the door until I tell him you're my witnesses. Then you tell him the truth. Oh, yes. It might well make him think again when he realises you have proof of your innocence. <laughs> ah, there you are, you old fool. Uh, help! Keep away from me, you rubber. Now, listen, you old twit. <laughs> you want your eyes tested. If you don't tell the police you made a mistake about me, you're going to be in trouble. That's telling him, Mr Higginbottom. Now, look, you don't frighten me. You and these other two skinny heads you brought with you. <laughs> we are Mr Higginbottom's witnesses. Yes, it's three to one. Oh, you're all going to beat me up, are you? Well, you've picked the wrong time. There's somebody in here who'll sort the lot of you out. Sergeant Dixon, come here, quick. Sergeant's here? Who'll make the old man tell the truth quick? Twist his arm. Ah, ah. There you are, Sergeant. He's here again, threatening me. He says if I don't tell you I'm mistaken, I'll be for it. I said nothing of the kind, Sergeant. I, I just said he'd be in trouble. All right, Mr. Jackson, leave it to me. You go back in the house. Now, look here, Mr. Higginbottom. You're the one who's in trouble, and you're getting in deeper every minute, coming round here and trying to intimidate the old man. No, 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 no. Mr. Higginbottom was doing nothing of the kind. No, he just said there was only one thing to do. Settle the old fool and make him admit he was wrong. <laughs> Father, are you going out tonight? It's turned half past eight. Well, I've been waiting for Higgy, but it doesn't look as though he's coming. It's not like him to miss his pint on a Saturday night. Maybe he's practising for when they put him on bread and water. <laughs> it's not funny, Jimmy. I was talking to Mrs Higginbottom and she's very upset. Yes, yeah, so is Ozzy. Get away. He's only upset in case they don't put his dad in jail. <laughs> I don't understand why it hasn't been cleared up before now. I mean, Higgy went to the police station, I understand, to sort it out. Yes, but they didn't believe him. The sergeant said, um, what's for tea? <laughs> the sergeant said, what's for tea? Did he? Oh, well, I suppose coppers have to eat as well. <laughs> 
Hello, clack, clack, hello, come in. Yeah, I came round the back because my feet were dirty and you have a scraper at the back. B-b-b-boots, not, not, not my feet. They're, they're clean. It was open so I came in. No, not the scraper, the door, but if you don't want me to, I can go round the front and ring the bell if I'm in trouble. Oh, shut the door on your mouth. I'm mince. Oh, sit down. Oh, hello, you're here. I thought you'd be at the Rose and Crown with me, Dragon Bop and celebrating. What are you talking about, Alfie? Me, Uncle Charlie. Well, but, but, but Mr. Eggingbottom, I, 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 it was my Uncle Charlie who saw him. Your Uncle Charlie saw Higginbottom in the pub celebrating? No, the, on the fairground, so he couldn't have committed the robbery because my Uncle Charlie had the coconut shy, and he remembers Mr. Higginbottom being there at seven o'clock. Because he threw six balls and said he'd knock his head off because he stuck, it, it was stuck on with glue. No, not my Uncle's head. The, the, the coconut. Oh. You mean your uncle proved Mr. Higginbottom was innocent because he saw him on the fairground at seven o'clock? Yeah, that's what I said. Only <laughs> well, you said it in double Dutch. Well, that's great. No wonder Higgy's celebrating. All the way down there and join him. Well, I'm very pleased. Yeah, and I bet Jimmy's pleased. Yeah, and Mr. Brocklebank, because now the police know they were telling the truth. Well, what about? Uh, never mind that. Uh, uh, Grandad, hadn't you better be going before they run out of beer? Uh, just a minute, just a minute. Alfie, what did Jimmy and Mr. Brocklebank tell the police? They the, saw the Mr. Higginbottom on the fairground. Oh, heck. Jimmy, do you mean you went to the fairground after all? You didn't stay at home with Mr. Brocklebank? Well, ma'am, I could say yes and I could say no. Well, what are you going to say? If I can get to that door first, goodbye. Those involved with the Clitheroe Kid this week were Peter Sinclair as grandfather, Patricia Burke as mother, Danny Ross as Alfie Hall, Diana Day as Susan, Tony Melody as Mr. Higginbottom, Colin Edwin as Humphrey Brocklebank, and John Graham as Sergeant Dixon and the Old Man. The recorded programme was written by James Casey and Frank Roscoe, produced by James Casey, and starred Jimmy Clitheroe as the Kid himself. Everything was sorted out. The police got the right man. Mr. Higginbottom got an apology from the old fellow. And I got me granddad's slipper on me, you know what. <laughs> oh, Susan stopped and watched because she thought I'd cry. And she was dead right. <laughs> I yelled the place down. Ta-da! Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 